Chapter Six of My Flirtations by Ella Hepworth Dixon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Six. The provincial young man has never possessed any attractions for me, and it is certain that if I had not gone up north to stay with Daisy Drysdale, I should never have known so well such a striking specimen of the type as Doctor Styles. He was not a bad fellow, but he was naively pleased with himself and his belongings your provincial indeed is rarely modest in the limited circle of country-town society a suitable young man is pursued with too much pertinacity and ardour to have any doubts in his own mind as to his personal desirability and manifold charms dr styles was a stoutish person of thirty-two with nondescript features and a slow portentous manner along with a large and increasing practice in the suburb of northaw where his medical skill was in constant request among the spinsters and widows of that somewhat damp and chilly neighbourhood so highly esteemed were his services in the sick-room that these ladies would send for him at all hours of the day or night until the good doctor in self-defence took to sending his red-haired assistant to some of his more flagrantly imaginary invalids daisy drydale's husband was a manufacturer in mudchester and like other manufacturers he lived as far away from the factory chimneys of that thriving city as possible so his brand-new red-brick mansion lay on the other side of the suburb of northaw and the society of northaw supplied nearly all mrs drysdale's intellectual recreation poor daisy how she missed london and what as she plaintively asked was the use of her giving little dinners seeing the component elements of which her parties were to be henceforward composed still she was not to be baffled and mrs drysdale constantly entertained she kept open house too and was delighted to see people drop in of an evening the very night i arrived by some chance dr styles came in about nine o'clock they were playing whist at one end of the long drawing-room and i was set down to entertain the doctor at the other i shall not easily forget that night accustomed to the manifestly insincere gushings of london young men i was amused at the naive manner in which this country esculapius comported himself for a long time we talked of the last exhibition at burlington house for he remembered father's pictures and was much impressed apparently by the fact that he was talking to an academician's daughter the provinces are still impressed by the royal academy they played more than one rubber of whist that night but dr styles remained until the end before he left he had offered to lend me a horse proposed that he should drive me to a ruin ten miles off and expressed a wish that i should know his three sisters the drive to the ruin had assumed the proportions of a picnic before three days were over life as some one has justly observed would be tolerable if it were not for its pleasures and possibly our english summers would be less dreary to look back upon were it not for the inevitable picnic the day declared itself grey and chilly with watery-looking clouds hanging despondingly overhead but as it was not actually raining we of course felt obliged to start the doctor drove mrs drysdale and me and as he had to stop and see several patients on his way out of northaw we were three-quarters of an hour late when we arrived on the festive scene we found our friends reclining on rugs and cushions in a damp field where there was an unmistakable odour of manure we found also that they were already more than half through the meal for as they justly observed the cold had made them uncommonly hungry though the quantity of well-picked bones and empty bottles sufficiently proclaimed the fact but the mention of empty bottles suggests an air of hilarity which did not belong to this particular feast 
a number of total abstainers were of the party and these had brought their own supply of perry lemonade and mineral waters and now sat apart round one tablecloth surveying with somewhat unsheep-like glances the goats who were imbibing shandy gaff and claret this attitude on the part of non-alcoholic Northaw not being conducive to sociability the party as a whole cannot be said to have been as the french say of a mad gaiety the doctor did his best but he had not the light social touch if he offered you the salad it was with a portentous air or did he spread you a cushion he never dropped his professional manner several untoward accidents marred what was left of the day a young lady had hysterics at the back of the ruin and the doctor who was fetched just when he was showing me the view from the topmost turret muttered something distinctly ungallant about his prospective patient as he hurried off a drizzle began just as the tea was laid and the rain fell in dismal earnest as we drove home to northaw the next time i saw our friend dr stiles my head was tied up in a flannel shawl and my throat was so swollen that i could hardly speak the doctor had been called in professionally the northaw picnic had been too much for a londoner uninured to the climate and i was down with a malignant sore throat the doctor came every day and once he came twice to work a patent inhaler and paint my throat with some mysterious compound he constantly changed the treatment it was as if he never could do enough he even used to bring me flowers and who ever heard of a doctor taking his patient flowers daisy was convulsed with amusement she said that when she was ill she sometimes used to have to send for dr stiles two or three times before he appeared he was so busy at the end of a week i was better and in ten days i was quite well i really felt very grateful for i knew that the doctor had saved me by his constant care from a dangerous illness i wonder if he took my gratitude for something else anyway as i told christina when she scolded me for the whole affair it was not my fault the thing came quickly to a crisis we were all invited to spend an evening at the doctor's house in the north they have a mysterious meal called high tea which is apparently a source of no little comfort and even of self-righteousness it enables the habitual partakers thereof to allude witheringly to the late dinner indulged in by inhabitants of the south and so if you are invited out in northaw be sure you will be regaled on tea and cold chicken fearful mixture on hot cakes jam marmalade and currant buns to this evening meal then we were bidden by dr stiles he lived alone with his sisters who were curiously like him they were all stoutish with nondescript features and had solemn and somewhat stolid manners to see all four of them together inclined one to indecent mirth it was impossible to be more worthy more dull and more self-satisfied they sat in a circle in the long drawing-room on rather uncomfortable chairs all three of the misses stiles took great interest in church matters or at least in the curate who was unmarried and whom they consulted very often on the subject of soup tickets and flannel petticoats the curate and a boy of about nineteen years of age with a shrill voice were the other men of the party miss stiles the eldest of the three miss stiles was a capital housekeeper everything went like clockwork in the doctor's roomy house the early dinner was served to a minute two o'clock was the hour if the doctor were out the meal proceeded with unfailing punctuality a slice of mutton being kept hot in the oven for the master of the house on the long bare lavender-coloured walls of the drawing-room hung several water-colours by miss louisa 
indeed the mrs styles were considered to have a pretty taste for art they painted everything within reach with sprawling red roses or startling white daisies the doctor being of opinion that his sister's artistic talent was of the first order miss ada too was musical and sang songs by pensudi and milton wellings the doctor liked miss ada's vocal efforts miss emily was literary at least she assiduously read miss edna lyle and mr ryder haggard and of these authors we discoursed solemnly until tea was announced the table groaned with good things with buttered toast with salad with vague dishes covered with custard with ham with quivering blancmange the curate it transpired had a phenomenal appetite though he coughed and expostulated when helped to a third serve of pressed beef both he and the shrill-voiced boy had been among the abstaining sheep at our picnic this evening meal therefore washed down by tea and coffee had obviously no terrors for them the conversation was not of the kind that dazzles there were frequent pauses during which miss ada made several bald statements about a forthcoming village concert and the doctor wishing to show his knowledge of the town solemnly inquired if i had seen mr irving in henry the eighth the air was full of ominous portents the doctor's manner when he invited me for the second time to partake of cold chicken or pressed upon me with northern hospitality the currant cake was full of a certain protecting pride while a humbly conquering expression was in his eyes when they rested upon me it was with intention as the french say that he showed me the photograph album full of aunts and cousins after tea the good doctor looked quite sentimental when later on miss ada warbled a romance with walt's accompaniment entitled the love that will never fade i began to feel restless more than once did i cross the room engage either of the misses styles in feverish conversation i always ended by finding the doctor at my elbow at last i resigned myself to my fate and sat down to talk to him i imagined that the sanitary state of the suburb of northaw would be a safe subject and one unlikely to lead to a declaration of a tender nature but in this it appeared i was mistaken we got on to the subject of fevers and to convince me on a certain point the doctor suggested a reference to one of the medical books in his surgery once inside the little room which lay just across the passage dr stiles shut the door and advanced towards me with that particular expression which is so intolerable in a man one doesn't care for i put on my most indifferent manner and inspected with much interest the rows of medical books in their glass case so kind of you i said hurriedly to fill up the dreadful pause to take so much trouble most doctors only laugh at you if one wants to know any real fact about your dreadful trade i added with flippancy seeing that the man was not listening to a word i was saying but was gazing at me as an amiable snake might be said to regard a sparrow trouble he said at last how can anything be a trouble that is done for you i wish you would let me tell you how much i how much i a sharp rap at the door interrupted this speech a servant came in please sir mr brown is very bad and mrs brown says will you come at once and bring some of the drops and she hopes you won't be long a three-mile drive said dr stiles with a sigh and i shall not see you again to-night he took my hand and held it fast i will bring the book to-morrow morning shall i have a chance of seeing you alone try to be alone when i come and wrenching my hand violently the doctor disappeared daisy i said hurriedly in the carriage going home 
I'm sorry to say, dear, I shall have to go home by the 10.15 tomorrow. I, I had a telegram just before we came out. You had a fiddlestick. What nonsense, Peggy. Why, you came to stay a month, and you've hardly been twelve days. Twelve days? Good heavens! Why, how has he... Oh, it's that, is it? And so you don't like him? Well, I think you're silly. You might do much worse. How much better to settle down with someone like that than with one of your flipperty London young men? He's sensible, clever, a good fellow, well off, and very fond of you. The ten-fifteen, please, Daisy. And sure enough, by the ten-fifteen I went. As the Yorkshire fields flew behind me on my rapid journey back to London, the whole thing seemed like some nightmare from which I had just awoke. Great heavens! From what had I not escaped? A lifetime of high tea, suburban gossip, and provincial self-sufficiency, of rose-bedecked door-panels, the novels of Mr. Ryder Haggard, and the love that will never fade. I am very fond of Mrs. Drysdale, but it will be a long time before I again trust myself to the seductions of that suburb of Mudchester. End of chapter 6